Welcome back to Parenting in Queens, and thank you for taking the time from your busy lives to connect with one another. Today, I'm so excited to interview Aurora Sattler. She is the author of the Ultimate New Moms Cookbook, winner of a 2018 National Parenting Award. She's a freelance food camera chef and a recipe developer. Thank you, Aurora, for taking the time so that we can learn from you. Well, thanks for so much for having me. So I would like to dive right in. What was your journey into becoming a food author and a recipe developer? So I was actually working, um, I was doing private catering events before I ever went to culinary school. I kind of developed my own catering company, but then I figured I needed the culinary bones to back that. So I went back through culinary school through the Institute of Culinary Education. But when I was there, I knew that I never wanted to be a restaurant chef. My goal was always um, to have a family, and I just didn't think that, for me, I didn't know how I would ever be working in a restaurant and be having a family when all the hours are conflicting, all the like main kid hours. So for me, I was always more interested in food and media. And I had a fun journey to get where I am today. I've worked, written for publications. I've worked in the e-commerce. I've worked in catering. I've worked behind um, food styling, behind cookbooks, videos. I've been an on-camera chef. So I've, I and I have been, and I still do dabble a lot in the worlds of food and media. Wow, that's so amazing. And would you tell me a little bit? If like if that if that was a passion of yours growing up, like were you always like in your mom's kitchen, grandma's kitchen? So I'm actually from the Pacific Northwest originally, mm -hmm. from Seattle, and my uncle, my dad, my grandpa, they were all expert fly fishermen. So I grew up eating um, the most amazing salmon that they had caught. Sometimes smoked themselves. My grandma had a beautiful little farm. Um, in well, I mean, she had a we have a family farm. But we also had a, just her back garden it had a green apple tree. She'd always make her own applesauce, always make her pies from scratch, raspberry bushes. The kids and I would run out in the backyards. We'd be eating off her garden. And my family did grow up, pretty much everyone cooked in my family. And it was, it taught me a young appreciation of cooking. And is that something that you're passing out to your kids now? Absolutely. So we, um especially like in Queens, what I've tried to do, we have a small little backyard. What I've tried to do is build an herb garden. I've noticed that my kids, they're young still, so they're more interested a little bit now in digging than they are necessarily in planting. If I give them just shovels and dirt, they are happy for hours. But next year, we'll graduate to a raised bed where I'm sure we'll be planting some lettuce greens. We're gonna be planting um, more herbs and tomatoes for sure. Um, we also, I try to take them to the Brooklyn Grange. I don't know if you've ever been, the one on Northern. Ne never, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> so I actually did a cooking demo with them when my cookbook was released. They are wonderful, and they do family days during the summer and spring. So from summer, and I think it should be closed now probably, but summer and spring every Saturday, And you know they've got a really good coffee place right below, so parents can grab their coffee and then bring their kids up on an elevator. It's actually um, stroller convenient, too. They bring them up to the roof deck, and kids can just wander through. Because I thought that was important. I mean, we live in New York City, so kids don't actually get to see a lot of dirt, even. I was, um, I was really cognizant of trying to get my kids to farms to understand just the process of not only, like, how you cook, but how food is grown. Because I, I feel like the more... 
immersive it is for them, the more they get out of it, and actually the more that they eat. I've learned the more I bring my kids into the process, the more experimental they become. Like if they do the grocery shopping with me, if they can see me cooking, can nibble as I go, they see me eating as I'm tasting, and they, they'll come on over and sometimes they'll steal food, sometimes they'll have a little taste. They have stolen so much food that I've been photographing, it is hilarious. Sometimes I'm like, don't touch that, no, mommy needs a photo. And they'll eat it right off uh, my styled plate. But in the same way, I'm, I'm happy, I'm like, well, successful recipe. But at the same time, I'm like, please, my photos take so long, let mommy take a photo first. That's so yeah. funny. And they want to help. Oh, they want to help with everything. It's cool. So how old are they now? So they're two and four. Oh, and wow. It's so funny. they're very adventurous. I don't know if you've been to yeah. uh, the camp store in Midtown. Oh, it's uh, Camp NYC. So okay. it's a it's a food, uh, they have a food theme right now. But basically they do a rotating theme. And I just did a yeah, cooking class pictures. there. Oh, you did. That's yeah. Good. And... My son saw pictures of that and he said, Mommy, why wasn't I at your cooking class? <gasps> oh, my God. So now, I'm, now we're going this week to another person's cooking class. Because, I mean, I wouldn't bring my son into a class. It just I think it's a little too hard for him to be like, you know, my kid's like, that's my mom. I want more attention that's when true. I'm trying to give it to a class. Yeah, so we do our own private cooking at home. That's so nice. So now that for you growing up, you know, seeing the land and like how food was grown was very normal. Was it a sh like when did it become a shock? Like oh, other people don't live like that, and then like I mean, I knew I was different for food when I was in school. I mean, I grew up. My early education was in Seattle up till fifth grade, and I remember packing avocado sandwiches for school and kids just looking at me with like disgust, being like, "Your sandwich is green." And um, I, it's funny, I think about this, and I remember being, one, a little bit of a brat. I was the, I'm the youngest in my family. Okay. <laughs> I have an older brother, so I'm basically the little sister. So I obviously told on that kid, and I was like, he said my sandwich is green. <laughs> <laughs> but I give myself a little bit of props as a kid that I didn't, um, I didn't just change my diet. You know, because I had a little criticism from another child. I stuck with what I liked, and I continued to eat avocado sandwiches. They're so good, by the way. They're so good. My kids eat a ton of avocado. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of cool because we do live in a great state as far as, like, what they do for providing school lunches. And I recently had this debate with my son because he's now in kindergarten. And sometimes he doesn't want me to pack him lunch. And at first, you know, I was like, oh, crushing my heart. You know, like, I'm packing such beautiful lunches. And they're really good. But at the same time, I realized, you know, his friends are getting lunch from school. And he told me he was actually trying out things from the school menu that he didn't normally try. And so I was like, you know what? He's eating. Um, it's a wonderful service that New York schools provide. You know, the fact that they have three lunches. And um, he's in a charter school, but in most charter and public schools. And so what I do with him is every morning now we kind of have a little conversation. You know, do you want mommy to do you want mommy to pack lunch? Do you want mommy to pack a snack? Or are you gonna go solely off what your school offers? And it's it's along the process of him getting his independence. I'm trying to foster still nutritious choices. And he's doing he's doing well. You know, some days it's not as well as I would hope, and other days he's doing very well. But I wanna keep food fun. 
I think that's been a really important thing. Um, and I think that that gets lost a lot of times because like you said, as, as moms, I think that you worry so much about food. Food is maybe a third. There's so many other worries, you know, that food is up there. It it's is. up there for people. Are my kids eating right? Are they growing enough? You know, are they, are they getting heavy or are they not, are they underweight? You know, with like young infants, especially you get weighed in and you, you know, you get a range, you get graded. Where's your kid at? You know? <laughs> what percentile? Yeah. Yeah. And I know people, I know a lot of cookbook authors who actually started in the business because their kids were undernourished. Or, you know, they were just underweight and they got frustrated because, you know, they're like, well, I do this for a living. And my kid is, you know, my kid is He's all not the example, inside. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how professional or proficient you are in the kitchen. You know, you still have young kids and they're, they have very different tastes. They have very different tastes. And I have to remind myself that too. One thing that I strove for in the cookbook is to create family meals so that you're not you're not doing double the work. You're not creating a separate child's meal, a separate infant's meal, a separate toddler meal, and a separate adult meal. You're taking a full meal for the family and breaking it down into the pieces that are appropriate for at what age and what stage your kid is at nutritionally. And part of that was one so that the kids are finally joining you at the table. You're not separating them as like your food is separate and unique and different. It's really like here's a taste of what our family is eating so you get used to the flavors of our family and you're graduating up to where you can handle more flavors, the full meal, as the adults would have it. And also for the parents, what that does is it really does, it does separate the work. So you're not just doing so much work for kids and then you end up ordering, you know, seamless for yourselves because you've spent all your cook time on purees or, you know, on roasting vegetables. So I tried to come up with, um, it's hard to break down a cookbook because they whittle down your recipes until it's a book. I, I wrote 150 recipes before I pitched the cookbook. The final cookbook has 80 plus recipes, just a fit, you know, just a fit within the recipe book. So you really have to like whittle. And what I did to whittle was I tried to come up with the best techniques. So here's the best techniques for making purees. This is what you do that's time efficient, flavor um, like packed with flavor and like using the vegetable or the fruit to the optimum level, but also just giving techniques, like just good culinary techniques that now you have this culinary technique. Okay. Now you can use it for these other 20 vegetables that work the same way. I don't need to give you 20 different recipes because you have the technique, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if let's say there's someone that is trying right now to introduce solids would you recommend because right now with social media now there's like people that yeah. are baby led winning and now they're yeah. like purees people that are in the middle and then how, how do you introduce solids i mean what was your experience personally so the great thing is now that i'm two kids underway and most of my friends have had two kids you kind of realize that every kid is different what's funny about food is We have these great notions as parents. And I mean, I even have this about like, you know, how I'm going to look. I had these ideas of how I was going to look when I was pregnant and how I was going to dress. And they just did not materialize. You know, I was never, I never looked as good as I wanted to look when I was pregnant. And with my daughter, I had this crazy notion that, you know, now I'll have my pregnancy act together. I'll get some cute maternity dresses. And it did not happen. It was worse the second time around. <laughs> But I think the parents had the same idea about introducing solids. Sometimes you think that, You know, this is exactly the structure that it's going to go. And you have to have a little um, give and take. Just for example, my son loved purees. He 
absolutely adored them and liked them absolutely um, smooth, no chunk. My daughter graduated to solids much, much quicker, where she wanted to bite, but she also got her teeth four months sooner than my son. My son got his first teeth around eight months. My daughter got her first teeth at four months. So they were very different kids. Um, what I did for their food was very different from one child to the next. I don't think that baby, I think baby led weaning is wonderful, but I, I kind of think it's all the same thing. I think that we just create new labels for feeding people because then you can sell more books. <laughs> I think that it, and more uh, culinary gadgets. But what I really think it is, is, you know, you introduce, I think by introducing um, purees very, very first, it's easiest. Because if you think a child's just having milk, you know, milk or formula or breast milk, you know, whatever um, works with your diet and your uh, pediatrician and your child, you know, you go from that milk to food, and it is a very, it's their first experience of texture. It's their first experience of, you know, something more that just doesn't get swallowed down. So I think just as far as the very first introduction, a puree is a really nice way to go. Um, but then from there, you know, you can see what your child is adapting to. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of the baby-led weaning examples are from actual adult things that you'd eat and just how you'd offer it differently for baby-led weaning. For example, like a pear, right? You're not going to give a baby a whole pear because, one, they can't have the skin, really. But what you could do is, you know, you could do it two different ways. Pear, you can make a puree in really about, like, six minutes start to finish. You know, you peel, you... Um, I don't... I just... Um, what I basically do is boil it very rapidly in a little bit of water and then puree the water with the pear. That's your simple pear puree. But then at the same time, if you have a really ripe pear, you know, peel it, cut it, um, core it, and have a little slice along the side. There you have baby led weaning and purees, you know, and it's, it's really just a different way to serve the same thing. And you can see if, if, you know, if your kid does have a couple teeth, if you find that they like to really chew on something if they're teething, sometimes I think that the baby-led weaning has nice examples for things that you can pick up. And, you know, baby-led weaning is really just finger foods. Mm -hmm. So my cookbook I do from, I do from, well, really I start at pregnancy. So I offer prenatal meals. I do preparing for baby, like stocking your pantry, your freezer, um, and also just <laughs> like totally... Um, getting ready. Then I also have breastfeeding foods, but then I move into starting solids with first suggestions for purees and then graduating to finger foods, graduating to, you know, these little pieces are good for little fingers. This is how you cut it down. This is the size that's right for how you eat and prepare food. And it's just sometimes kids progress a little quicker. Sometimes they progress a little slower. So I know people who are really getting, you know, they were really beating themselves up because they had a little bit of an older child, but they loved purees. I, I just, um, we've talked to our pediatrician a lot, and he's, he has a wonderful example. You know, you can think about when a kid walks. You can think about when they can actually jump on two feet. Kids reach those milestones at different times, but it could take a really long time to get to one milestone, and then they just jump to the next one. So, like, not, so... You, I think as new parents, it's really hard, too, because the comparisons start to fly, especially like very first-time parents. And I felt this, too. Both my kids were late walkers. But then our other friend is an occupational therapist, and she said that was actually great because it built up their upper body strength. 
And I was like, okay, well, didn't know that. But, you know, things that, you know, as a parent, you're like, well, I should be at this stage. And I just think that a lot more of that should be informed by your child because every child is different. That's true. As long as you are listening, you know, and observing your child, I think is the most important thing. But you mentioned a little bit about like gadgets and like having, yeah. you know, baby led winning could be like a way, you know, for people to sell more things, books, courses, gadgets, different things, right? Yeah. So what are you like your basic and most useful gadgets like for babies like you can't live without? Oh, okay. So I think that a really good blender is just absolutely key. Um, and this is not just for baby, but this is for toddler. One thing that I've noticed, purees have gotten a bad rap lately. But purees, and I've even seen people on mom sites being like, I have all these purees. Does anyone want to grab them? And I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, those are soup bases. Those are like things you could sneak into your toddler's you know, their tomato sauce into their smoothies, if they've become more averse to, like, just eating vegetables raw or steamed, there's so many ways to pack in nutrition, and a puree is a great way of doing it. Um, so I have, what I use is just a little ninja, um, the the little bullet blenders. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, I really love just a small blender, and it could be a food processor, but what you want is one that has a multi-purpose blade that can... Um, if you ever looked at recipes for basically like rice cereal, you want something that can mill rice, something that can take a grain or oatmeal, say, or like a seed and really make almost like a flour out of it. So it has to be strong enough so that you're not just seeing seeds fly around. You're actually seeing them being crushed, being turned around and being moved into dust. I say that just because I've seen some food processors and they just don't achieve the right result. Yeah. And that means you're just not going to get the right recipe in the end things that you want I mean just for an example like I was making cornbread last night and all I had was polenta and that's a lot coarser than cornmeal and I just popped it into my little bullet blender pureed it until it was more of a powder and that worked perfectly for my cornbread you know that's that's the kind of quality that you want I think a small size is really nice because when you're talking about kids they don't eat a lot so unless you're really going to eat a ton of applesauce as an adult. I think that having equipment that creates a smaller size, because otherwise if you're, if you're making it in a full size adult blender, you have to make a bigger batch for it to work, you know? So getting a smaller equipment really does help. Um, it helps create just the right portion sizes. And then as far as like, if you want to freeze baby food, like a lot of people, you know, going back to work, um, pouches are really easy for daycares Daycares love pouches because, you know, it's something that they can do easily. You're not asking them to complete five, six, seven steps and be like, okay, now if you can just match this for my child and mix this with this and do this, you know, but with pouches, um, I actually partnered with um, a couple companies for, they sell reusable ones. So if you're making your own baby purees or toddler smoothies, you know, they are resealable, refillable pouches that are dishwasher safe, you know, that are eco-friendly you can use them again you're not just creating waste and they're a great way of adding a lot of fruits and vegetables on the go if you're running between things it's a great snack if you're packing for daycare for a baby they're a great addition um also just you know your standard kitchen items you know you want a good vegetable peeler you know you want a good knife you want a good um 
a pot with a steamer and a lid. It doesn't, it's funny because baby food, it doesn't have to be fancy. What you have doesn't have to be incredibly fancy. It just has to be effective. That's very you know, I, I think you can cut, you can do like kitchen basics and a good blender. And That's an immersion blender is a really nice one too. Mm-hmm. You know, immersion is the one that you can go right into the pot. And that's just a wonderful, it just saves so much cleanup sometimes, especially if you're making a soup. Um, mm-hmm. If you're making like a big pot of something, you want to blend it. That's just a really nice way to do it and not have to transfer hot liquids. You just use the immersion blender, blend it right in the pot, and cleanup's really easy. That's that's really great. Do you go over like things to prepare yes. so in the book as a, well? I have a segment in the book on pantry basics. I have a segment in the book on culinary basics and tools as well because really I created the cookbook so I was a new mom starting out I found that I got my information piecemeal a lot you know I went to my doctor's visits and they kept on giving me these like printed out papers of you know this is shellfish this is what you can eat the, you know as far as seafood this is what you can't eat you know these are this is the protein that you should be having and it was all just these like printed handouts and then when I was feeding my kids I'd get like the playground, you know, whisper down the lane information of like, what are you eating? What are you eating? You know, I'd be searching online. I'd be buying books. And it was just a lot of work. It was a lot of work. So what I had as a goal when I created the cookbook, and I think I did a pretty good job of that, um, is making a comprehensive guide just for new parents that progresses chronologically with you, starting in pregnancy and going all through the toddler years. And I worked with a nutritionist, Allison Childress. She was amazing. And what she did is she also added nutritional guides for each chapter. You know, but what we did too is we're both moms. You know, we're both veteran moms. We were like, we don't want this to feel like a textbook. A lot of the old cookbooks I've seen, come on, they feel like eighth grade like social studies books. And they're like, they're big and clunky. And some of the stuff is so obvious. We tried to do more of like bullet points. You know, so parents don't feel like it's another, you know, stack of books on how to be a good parent. It's really just a guide and a resource. Like, these are some great recipes. And here's nutritionally, like, where you should be at. Here's some tips if you, like, have kids who are constipated or who have, you know, diarrhea. Like, these are the foods that you want to eat. You know, these are good guides for, like, packing for travel. You know, just the things that you... Like, as, we, as moms, we kind of just sat down and we're like, okay, what are all the issues that we had that related to food in that first year? You know, the first year of the kid's life. What were all the issues we had? And we tried to create guides for those. They answered the questions, um, you know, in a concise, sometimes humorous way. <laughs> but always, hopefully, helpful. That's very good. Why was it important for you to include, like, the prenatal foods and not just, just focus on baby? I thought for me it's all part of the process. Um, And I really wanted to do more information in one thing. I think that, I think a lot of people buy, especially too with cookbooks, I've noticed, you know, a lot of ones for sale. Like I've noticed a lot of introducing solid cookbooks for sale. A lot of ones that are like, this is what the whole, you know, the whole baby, like what to expect eat when you're expecting as soon as you're not pregnant anymore it goes especially with New Yorkers because you just need space so I wanted a cookbook that lived beyond the baby years you know that had the recipes like my recipe for fish tacos that people like you know what I love that recipe I'm going to keep the cookbook because it has recipes that are like family meals that I keep going back to 
And it's funny, even the stuff that I put in the expecting cha- chapter, they're still great meals. They're just, a, like, you know, I just put them there because they're most appropriate there. But it doesn't mean, like, I put banana bread in that chapter. But, like, my kids love my zucchini banana bread. So that's, you know, that's a good one for kids, too. But I, I wanted, I didn't want just another guide that you use it and you get rid of it. I wanted, you know, a good cookbook, my good, good cookbooks that I have. I've kept for years. And sometimes there's just three recipes in them. But I'm like, those are my, I love those recipes, you know. And they're better than the ones I have on Pinterest. They just are. You know, some of the cookbook recipes, like the one I have for chocolate chip cookies, I'm never giving that cookbook away. Like, you know what I mean? Those are the best chocolate chip cookies ever. My kids, we make those that same recipe every single time. That's amazing. I think it's, it's like you said, like as New Yorkers, we try to make space. So as soon as we don't need it, we just throw it away. So yeah. you wanted your cookbook to be like the books that you, that you had. Like it would be for a lifetime, yeah. you know, basically. Well, and also it's, it is, um, the publisher that I worked with, they do, what they did is they put their emphasis on full color and imagery. So there's, it's not a hardcover book. It's actually a paperback book, but it's fully um, photographed with images throughout the entire cookbook, which I, I don't know about you, but I need, I want a photo. Yes. When I cook something, I want a photo. And it's funny. I can look at a recipe and be like, oh, my could be good. But if I don't see that photo... I guess I'm just such a visual person that I'm way more drawn to make a recipe if I see how it should turn out. It should turn out. That's so right. Um, and, okay, so you mentioned the cookbook, and it was, how long was that, like, as a, as a mom now, like, if we go behind the scenes? Oh, my because gosh. Because this is such a, you know, writing a book and, and doing the pictures, and all, you make it sound like, oh, yeah, I'm an expert, and I can do it so easy, but I'm sure it wasn't. So how, how was that process, and, you know, how was it, like, handling with young kids? Because I guess they were young, yeah. much younger. Like, oh, so, no. How was that madness? Young. The funny thing was... I had this idea in my head since I had my son. My kids are about two and three quarters years apart. I started, I was telling everyone, do you know you have those dream projects and you just tell everyone, this is what I'm working on. I'm doing this, you know, and it's not really real until it's real. You know, but everyone's like, oh, there's her little pet hobby, you know, and I was still working a lot with my son. I was um, the creative director of Many Kitchens, which was an e-commerce site for artisanal food. So I was working remote that company I was you know we created a cookbook for that site uh, I was doing a lot of e-commerce there I was also raising my son then I got pregnant with my daughter <laughs> and I had been all the while in my spare time in my nights and weekends I'd been recipe developing I'd been photographing because I knew that personally for me to photograph a full cookbook I don't have the same consecutive time as a mom that I had when I've been, you know, a food shopper, an assistant food stylist for other people's cookbooks. When I worked on other people's cookbooks, you know, they would bang out all those beautiful photos in three days because you'd have a team of people working on it for a full work day. You know, it'd be like an eight to six job, three days in a row, There'd be, you know, there'd be the photographer, there'd be the prop stylist, there'd be the um, recipe food stylist, but then there'd also be the assistant stylist who'd be uh, doing a lot of the cooking and then the food stylist would be doing the plating. There'd be the food shopper. 
you know, and you have all these people working together. And so for me, I knew if I was doing it myself, because, you know, this is a dream project, like I said, it wasn't exactly funded to begin with, and I wasn't about to pull money from my family coffer. So I was, I was thinking, I was like, okay, I need a lot more time to accomplish the same thing if I'm doing it all myself. So again, nights and weekends, what I would do is I would be recipe developing, I'd be feeding my family with those meals, seeing what requests for seconds I got, you know, where, <laughs> what like meals they wanted repeated, whittling down my recipes. And it wasn't until I was in my third trimester that I actually even approached a publisher. You know, I'd be doing this light shopping around, but I didn't exactly have a ton of time for networking either or for pitching publishers. So I had some, like, you know, friends of friends I was talking to. I was meeting with other people. And finally, I actually pitched the publisher while the book was, I would say, about two-thirds done. Right? The book was two-thirds done. I approached the publisher. They had rewrites. You know, they said yes. I was like, yes, they said yes. But they had yes with if this. So I had to tack on a nutritionist. I had to, which I, I wanted to do that anyway. But I just needed the yes first. So then I went back with the nutritionist, through the recipes, created guides, went over 20,000 different titles for the cookbook, went over um, a lot of the recipe photos I had to reshoot. You know, I had to whittle down photos. And I, I delivered the final manuscript for the book a week before I delivered my daughter. It was like a graduation. <laughs> It was. So... It's funny. It's like I feel like this cookbook is so tied into, you know, my family story as well. And it was ironic, too, because for the cover, we realized it, that we needed a picture of a mom with a very new baby. And I laughed because I approached my publisher and I said, you know, I don't really have time to find and shoot another mom. You know, I'm, I'm going through. I just delivered a baby. How would you feel if it was a photo of me? And so I set up the shot. Um, my mother was amazing. You know, both my mother and my mother-in-law were out after the birth um, to help us out. And my mom shot this beautiful photo of me cradling my very young daughter. And that actually made part of the cover. Wow. So it's very tied into my family. It's very funny. And I actually shot all local moms for the cookbook and all local babies Because I was so pregnant, I was like, I can't, I can't be traveling all over New York. I was like, it has to be someone within, like, walking distance of me that I can photograph for the cookbook. That's so amazing. So did you feel like a, a sense of more of a community, like, work, you know, like moms yeah. working together, helping you out in return? I love living in Astoria. I really love living in Astoria. And I just we have the best neighbors um I laugh because like literally my playground the closest playground to us has been just an opportunity for my kids to make so many friends you know they'll roll into that playground and each of them now will have just like friends they'll roll in and my son will like scoot his way in he'll be like shouting out to someone you know and then shouting out to another kid and I always have felt that just a story I As far as every parent that I've encountered is very nurturing, kind, understanding, you know, like um, a wealth of resources. I feel like the community pool of resources on from like kids reused items, 
through tips and information. I've, I've had a wonderful experience here. And I actually think that even though I never thought I would have my kids in the city, I, I you know, I, I just didn't think I'd still be here now. But now we don't know anywhere else we'd want to be. You know, but still, I, I had a, I have conceptions and dreams of a house, you know, and that's just, that's not Astoria, that's not New York City. So, you know, but my kids, we have so much more community, and I think that also, they hear their friends out their window. You know, just along our street, we have about eight friends that are all kids, and they'll hear each other calling out through the windows. And I think if I lived in the suburbs... You know, it'd be so much further between each home. And those playgrounds, those community playgrounds never get played at. It's a lot more on the parents to create organized playdates. So I think that, and I also notice this in my kids, when we go out, like when we travel, they'll run into a playground and they'll literally say, my son will say, hi, my name is Jack, what's your name? Do you want to play with me? And I think about that, I'm like, I don't even have those qualities as an adult. I'm like, I am not that good at networking, socializing, introducing myself. I sometimes think I was like, if I was half as tenacious and just worldly as my children, I'd be a little bit further in life, you know? That's, it's, it is very interesting how they just learn from, you know, community yeah. and being exposed to, like, that type of environment. I think that's one of the perks of living in, in Queens, because you get that city yeah. vibe and a little bit of that suburban life, not as yes, much. Yes, it's not. But it's a little like, mix. You don't walk outside your street and it's just crazy hectic New York City. Like I could never live. God, I could never live in like Midtown where you walk out and like everything's. You know, Astoria. I moved here before I met my husband, and my parents were finally like they breathed a sigh of relief because I was just post college, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, she's living not in the city. It's you know, it's." They looked around, they saw like fig trees, because um, the part of the story I mean is very Italian. You know, they'd see people like actual gardens, they'd see nice people. You know, most people live in homes, not big apartment complexes. And they just were like, this is nice, I can get behind this. That's very so, nice. Yeah. So how did you meet your husband? Uh, this is funny, I actually met him at a bar. <laughs> I met him at a bar. How did you connect? Was it also like food? It was. It was it something that you guys had in common, or you guys oh, are well, the polar the, opposite. The joke is at our wedding that I love to cook and my husband loves to eat. So that was basically his. <laughs> my brother-in-law's toast to him. Uh, no, he is the the best um, partner and supporter of everything I've done. He's really absolutely amazing. He's a he works full time with his own company, but he's also just a full time dad. You know, he doesn't just clock in his hours with the kids. He goes above and beyond to not only just help me out. And, you know, I'm working freelance, but I'm also the primary caregiver of our kids. So I'm working just um, project to project now and assignment to assignment. I'm not, I'm not going into an office. I don't have a nine to five. You know, I have to network, find my jobs, find my opportunities. And he's incredible. You, you need to have two partners behind that. You know, you can't just have someone who's like, I'm trying to do this, you know, and they're like, okay, great, well, you have, you know, whatever hours you can find. You know, he does cover on the weekends, and I work on the weekends a lot of times. And um, I, I don't know, that's another thing I encountered a lot in Astoria. There are more, like, stay-at-home dads that I've met. There are more families that do, free there's a lot of families that do freelance, you know, a lot of creatives. Mm -hmm. You know, we have so many actors, so many um, lighting designers so many directors and producers 
It's, it's a very creative environment. Very yeah. creative, yeah. So how, what is your routine like now? Because like, I think it's we are in the stage of like motherhood where it's, you're a stay-at-home mom, but you're yeah. a working mom at the same yeah. time. So how do you, what is like your schedule like for anyone like living kind of the same lifestyle? What, what has worked for you so far? So what's been working now? I mean, my son's in school now. He's in kindergarten. And my daughter, she's not in daycare. I don't have the work to justify it or the desire, and I'm lucky to have the choice there. That um, what she does is I do mom swaps, which was basically the most wonderful thing because my daughter's getting a play date with her best friends, and then me and the other moms are alternately getting time to not only accomplish you know career work goals, but also to do everything else that you can't do when you have a, a toddler running around. Because, you know, babies, you can accomplish a lot. Babies sit still. You know, if they're crawling, you have to make sure that they're gated, that they're doing stuff. But once you have a toddler, I mean, I have two little people. I don't have babies anymore. They are not content if they are not, you know, being engaged, being entertained. Like, they are active. They're incredibly active. So what I try to do with my time is I try to structure my time so that when I have that free time, I try to plan out exactly what I'm going to accomplish before I do it. Sometimes the night before, I'm like, okay, I'm doing X, Y, and Z during her nap. I'm doing X, Y, and Z during my mommy swap hours. You know, I am, um, when I pick up my kids, this is, and this is another thing. I'm orchestrating activities and playdates for them because they're incredibly social and they want, they, you know, that's where they are development-wise. They need that. So then I'm also doing those things. And then I'm also, I do hand shop a lot of my food. I just have never been able to get behind um, ordering online. Because I think I do take longer ordering my food when I'm picking it out online than I do when I'm picking it out and holding it in my hand. So I uh, maximize my, okay, these are the times that I'm going to like run with one child to the grocery store. You know, these are the times that I'm going to do this. This is what I'm cooking. Like yesterday I mapped out all the meals for the week. Um, and just, just to do one grocery shop overhaul, do it. Um, and it's, it's just constantly trying to maximize my productivity and to get myself, because I truly do. I worked more with my son, with my daughter. I'm doing more running around. And I'm trying to, you know, gain more clients, get back to work more. I miss working. I miss working not like... I'm still working, but I miss working to a greater capacity and collaborating with people too. Because working from home is like kind of a joke, you know? You Like you work from home, you get stuff done, but it is very hard. And then you also find yourself looking around and being like, oh man, I need to clean. Oh man, that is our house. My apartment is not organized at all. You know, oh my gosh, we have so many toys. So it's uh, my goals right now are to maximize what I'm doing so that I'm creating more of a track. I have another book in my head that I'm, I would love to work with, Allison again. We have two cookbook ideas we've been throwing back and forth at each other, doing the research on them. And also, I've been working on a, a meal subscription site for just meal planning for the week. Like, buy this for the week, and this is, and like, one-stop shop, these are your meals, and these are how you repurpose leftovers and make meals for the entire week. So working on a meal subscription, and then... You know the other the other dream projects in the bank, but that sounds so wonderful. But um, I think what you have an edge is because 
you've worked a, a lot in the industry, but now that you're a mom and you have this community, like, you know, like, what we need. Yes. <laughs> and, like, a lot of it is decision fatigue. Like, like you said, we have the Pinterest and the doctor yeah. and all this social media, but then we don't know what to decide and what they're actually going to eat. So yeah, it is a big project, what you're it's doing. totally the problem because you can put a lot of work together. You can, you know, be like, this is a great recipe. My kids will love that. And they might not like it at all. You know, or it might be something that you made two weeks ago and they said, mommy, this is delicious. And you make it exactly the same way and they won't eat it the next time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, true. that's that's another thing we deal with. We have a section in our, in our book, Allison and I, we talked a lot. She said the new term, it's not supposed to be picky eaters anymore. It's called selective eaters. So, and kids are truly selective. And one thing I always do is I keep the stuff they love and it's healthy. Most of my kids, it's like a lot of fresh berries and good cheeses. And I always put something on their plate that they gravitate towards that I don't have to say eat that or like try that. You know, I always put something that catches their eye that wills them to the table. Because my son is the child that has to be chased down to eat. He's just active. You know, he has to like, we always say like two butt cheeks in your chair because he's always perched on the edge of his seat ready to go and my, my husband's laughed he's like do we need to strap you down just joking with him because he's not you know he's not the kid who will just sit and slowly dying he's like munch and go mm-hmm. um but yeah you're right it is it's fatigue it's just like life fatigue too because you're doing so many things when you have young kids and you know whether you're working whether you're not working you're still working harder than you've ever worked in your life. I tell my husband, I was like, being, you know, stay at home with the kids is the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, it's of all the jobs I've done. And I've had hard jobs, you know, but that's the hardest job. Because it's also the job that you care the most about the outcome. You know, it's not a job that you can kind of half-ass, you know, it's like yeah. you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that with your kids. And then, you know, you'll feel the same pressures. You'll feel the same guilt as a parent. Like, God, what did I accomplish today? Did I accomplish anything? Were the kids happy? Do we have enough bonding time? Do we have enough creative time? You know, did I, you know, if they're older, did I get their homework done? Um, was it just a rush? Was I rushing my kid all day? Did I feel like I was yelling at my kid? You know, and it's hard to meet those same, like, achievement goals, but still have the space to breathe and the space to just... Sometimes, like, I, I say it to my husband, sometimes on the weekend, all I want to do is sit and snuggle my kids, you know, just sit for a moment. We're not racing and running around just to, like, be together as a family and, like, steal those moments. That's true. It's, it's so difficult. I do the same. Like, when my toddler goes to sleep, I think about my day, like, oh, maybe yeah. I shouldn't have rushed. I shouldn't have talked to him that way. Or you feel guilty. Oh, I got so much done, but then I wasn't really with him. That yes, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna feel guilty no you matter what. Crazy. You can have the most productive day of your life, and you're like, oh, I just didn't give him enough time. Or you could have like a day where you just like do everything for your kid, and you could sometimes be like, well, they just didn't even appreciate it. <laughs> they didn't even care. Why do yeah, I do they didn't it? Even care, you know. And uh, I think that's hard. And I, you know, it. It is really hard, you know, and you're not, we're not in a society where you get any parenting awards. You don't get medals. You don't get appreciation. Um, 
so you're doing, you know, you're working the hardest you have in your life and it's just expected, you know, it's just <laughs> expected. And that sometimes I even see some things for food wise, like, I'm like, so, you know, I'll follow food styles and I'll be like, they did not pack that for lunch or they're not doing that every day. I'm like, that's just not real. Not you know, real. and I try to, I do try to keep things um, realistic while still photo worthy. So you're not just like setting these expectations that's that true. like, you know, your food should look like it's professionally plated and done. It has to look like appetizing and stuff, but like so polished, so perfect. It sometimes feels unattainable. That's true. And then you know, that's especially when... when you're exhausted, you know? And yeah, the comparison is real. Like I know I like I'm a big junkie like of like Pinterest. Like I obsess. Yeah. I'm like, oh, how do they do everything? Oh God, I love Pinterest. I'm like looking at, I look at, you know, my... Like, it's bad. I spent too much time looking at, like, these beautiful playrooms. I don't have space for a playroom. I have no space for a playroom in my apartment. Like, there's no, there's, but I, like, I have, I know exactly what I'd do if I had a playroom, you know, and I, like, love looking at these, like, beautiful homes of these people and the kitchens. Oh, don't even get me started. I, I have, like, a whole kitchen board. I don't have, like, I have an apartment kitchen, you know? Yeah, I get But it. I love Pinterest. I really do. I love it. I think it's good. Yeah, it's good to like kind of detach it. Like I go on a, a little detox. I'm like, okay, I'm getting fatigue in my brain and I can't. Yeah. It's yeah. not my lifestyle, you know, like try to detach it. But um, it's certainly we try to do too much sometimes. So I think well, your cookbook. Yeah, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It's like. Yeah. It's horrible. But I think your cookbook, I, I don't know for anyone that hasn't seen it or um hasn't purchased it i is it on amazon is it yes so that's the best place to get it okay it's on amazon in kindle format and in paperback format the ultimate new mom's cookbook um and 80 plus recipes from um basically from pregnancy all the way through the toddler year years with nutritional guides with each chapter by um a nutritionist who has a background a very strong background in prenatal nutrition and also a PhD, which <laughs> I'm always impressed by her. I was like, oh I'll my gosh, it Very is. Lady. It's something that I'm gonna get right away because that's what I need right now. Sometimes yeah, you get I inspired, like by you yeah. know other people, and definitely. I mean, well, it's great because your son will be, you know, he'll be. He's old enough that he could actually be a great helper too with baby. I used to remember my son. He was lovely. He wanted to help, you know, but it. Um, you know, he could do some things. He really wanted to give my daughter a bottle. He really wanted to give my daughter a bottle. But it was funny. She didn't like to take bottles that much ever. But what he would do is he'd dash off for a burp class for me. I'd be like, can you get in burp class? And like three seconds, he'd be back, you know, with a burp class. And it was like he was exerting energy because I was like so tired, you know, and he was also helping with the baby. So you'll have a really nice age difference of like a nice little helper. Thank you. Yeah, I think and he'll probably be excited that... too. My son wanted another little uh, brother. He's like, I want a brother. <laughs> it's like next yeah. one, mom. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. And is there what? What's your website? What's your Instagram account? So both are Aurora Sattler, A U R O R A S A T L E R. And on my website, I have a lot of recipes for free that are ideal for families i write for mommy nearest a lot as well too um so i just did a piece on bento boxes for them um just like great ways of 
you know, what to pack in a bento box for a kid, perfect for any kid in daycare or school age. And then I have another piece coming up on pie pops and hand pies and tartlets and everything good for Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness, sounds delicious. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And is there any, like, one advice you would give to the listener right now The you know, about food? Like, is there, like, one tip to organize yourself or to introduce foods that has made a difference in, in your life? Yes, I think especially for parents. I think that stocking up your pantry and your freezer is the best thing that you could possibly do as parents because there are times that you have the best intentions of going out to the store. There are times that, you know, you are back from a vacation and you just need to have something in the house and you just need to have something in the house. And there's so many things that you can keep in the house, like complete meals, like chili. You can basically keep all those in the pantry ingredients, you know, and then if you need to shop, you're just buying, you know, fresh onion, fresh cilantro, fresh, you know, bell pepper. And these are additions to the chili. When you have all the beans, you have the stock, you have, you know, salsa as a base, you have spices in your pantry. All of these things, like having a good stocked pantry can make a lot of meals possible without a lot of extra grocery runs. And the same thing for freezer. There's a lot of things you can keep in your freezer for added nutrition, for like nutrition on the fly. I keep a lot of frozen fruits and vegetables. They're great for smoothies. Um, I keep frozen spinach. I keep frozen mangoes. Um, if my bananas are ripening too quickly, which they do all the time in the apartment, I freeze those bananas and they're great for smoothie bases. Like whether I'm making you know, a smoothie or a smoothie bowl if your kids love those. And that's just a wonderful way to keep things handy. And also just to keep your options open. Because I feel like when people have to shop for each meal, it's just too much. It's just too much. And um, keeping things well stocked, like especially with like pastas and gnocchi and, you know, just like kid favorites. They're carb-tastic, you know, <laughs> but they're in there they're in the cabinet and then you have those things you have a meal on the fly because sometimes kids are a lot are hungry a lot sooner than you are ready to give dinner and that way they don't fill up on snacks you know they're filling up on dinner not snacks mm -hmm. well thank you again you're full of wisdom and <laughs> this is really something that is very important like their nutrition is really important and i hope everyone that's listening will get your book and make life a lot easier Thank you so much. Bye.